Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. It's a delight to be able to be with you, and uh, I'm privileged to have been asked by your board to be your interim pastor, which means that you'll get to know my face a little bit more, maybe more than you want. Uh, but we're to sort of stand in uh, in the in-between time until, we, until the Lord sends us our next pastor. And we're, I'm a part of, of wanting to see that transition happen and to see it happen well. We look forward to that. I uh, texted with Pastor Landon this week, and he said that they have found a house that they're renting for a year. Uh, so they're settled uh, in that sense. And we thank the Lord for that because uh, from our own experience, we know that until you have that uh, sort of settled, you feel unsettled. And it's really hard in your uh, moving forward and getting started in ministry. His installation service is next Sunday. Uh, so he will be officially installed as the lead pastor there in Cincinnati. So we trust the Lord for his blessing. Uh, my wife Susan and I are the ones that you will see each week, but we also have three children and ten grandchildren, uh, so we, uh, you won't get to see them too much because they're not uh, available for us here uh, very frequently, uh, but our oldest is a freshman in college, and I want to pray for him. His name is Eli, and he has had his heart... Flutters. Yeah, it's been fluttering uh, for about 12 hours. He went to the emergency room. This is in the state of Indiana. Uh, they gave him some medicine to help uh, make it so that's not a dangerous situation until he can get to see the cardiologist. Uh, but young guy, uh, they have said that maybe this was related to COVID that he had had before. Uh, that's the last time. He's gone through some different things. But anyway, if we could pray for Eli. But as we do so, I want us also to pray for Reverend Roland Gray. Uh, he is pastor down at Beaver Alliance Church, and he'll be having open heart surgery tomorrow. Uh, so we, he's going to be at the... Uh, trying to think if it's not out at Allegheny Valley or whatever it is. It's, it's out by Chippewa in that area, uh, down in New Brighton. So anyway, if you would uh, remember Roland Gray too. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your blessing. Thank you for bringing us together. Uh, Lord, we know that you have called us to yourself this morning. We know that, Jesus, you are our living hope. And Lord, we pray that you would express your hope in our hearts, even as we worship you today. Lord, we desire to honor and glorify you in all things. So Lord, we pray that you would bless as we read from your word. And uh, Lord, as I share what you've laid on my heart, may your spirit bring what is needed to each heart here. Lord, we pray for Eli, uh, asking that you would be with him as he is now back to his dorm room uh, after these heart flutters. And we pray, Lord, that you would minister to him uh, in your healing power in your touch and your strength uh, and in your peace and presence. 
Lord, we trust in you. Then, Lord, we lift up Roland Gray uh, and ask that you would be very near to him as he goes through this heart surgery tomorrow. He's been waiting for over a month for this scheduled surgery. And we pray, Lord, that you would meet him in a very real and strong, dynamic way as he goes through the surgery. We pray for the surgeons. We pray for all those who are attending. We ask, Lord, for your strength. We pray for his wife, Norma, uh, that you will give strength to her as she uh, lends that support, encouragement, and strength to her husband. We trust in you for your blessing. Now, Lord, would you uh, speak to our hearts. And Lord, we know that there are other uh, needs that are on the hearts of individuals here. And Lord, precious spirit, you know the ins and outs of our hearts. So Lord, if you would hear those silent cries, even now, we lift these requests to you. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right, if we could have the first slide up. All right. That looks much better on my little screen than what it does on the big screen, so I'll work on different background uh, for next time. But uh, we're thinking of Jesus, who is our blessed hope. One of the valuable study tools that I use when I'm preparing sermons and trying to dig deeper into Scripture is called the Preacher's Commentary Series. Uh, different pastors contributed parts to this. And for First Thessalonians, Pastor Gary Demarest uh, is the one who writes about it. And he told a story that I thought uh, makes a lot of sense. He says, one of my favorite family activities through the years has been backpacking and camping. We've returned often to a small chain of lakes in the high Sierras, tucked away in the midst of towering snow-capped peaks. There are no maintained trails. Over the years, we've placed trail markers along the way. We call them ducks, like quack, quack, ducks. Uh, each one made by stacking three, round, three rounded rocks of descending size on top of each other. What fun it is to begin the climb to our special place and find the trail markers guiding us along the way. Sometimes, right at the point where we're not sure of our bearing, we do not commit to a new direction until we've located another duck. How reassuring each one is at every crucial point. I've long since come to think of faith, love, and hope as the indispensable trail markers of my Christian journey. Sometimes the way is quite clear and the route is obvious. But often I find myself uncertain and confused. And that's when I need most to pause until I've located faith, love, and hope. I'm finding that when I take my bearings on them, I can't stray too far from God's good way. So Pastor Demers' trail markers help keep him and his family on the right path as they're hiking. Boaters along the inland waterway on the east coast have buoy markers that helps them find the deep channels as they're traveling along. Uh, amateur carpenters like myself make multiple marks before drawing that line that then you're going to cut. And then I measure again because uh, too many things happen if you don't. Uh, but that measuring and having those lines line up so that you know the right spot to go. Faith, love, and hope 
are markers that keep us moving forward on the right path. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, we'll see these key characteristics at work in the lives of these spiritually young believers. I'd like to invite you to take the Pew Bible that is there in front of you and turn to page 835, page 835, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we're going to read the first 10 verses together, out loud, together, all right? First Thessalonians chapter 1, beginning with verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 10. <clears throat> Let's read this together. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you, mentioning you in our prayers we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and with deep conviction." You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord. In spite of severe suffering, you welcomed the message with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia. Your faith in God has become known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report what kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Amen. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts. Our key verse is going to be verse 3. And we want to go on in this uh, next, uh, go back and read that together. We start, we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Once more from the, the part saying your work. Your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, sometimes when uh, I look at these three, my natural progression is faith, hope, and love, because there are other places in the Scripture that says that. But we're going to use the order that the Apostle Paul used, faith, love, and hope. From our earlier look at the Thessalonian believers back on the first Sunday of October, uh, we remember the impact that salvation had on their lives. In verse 7 that we just read, we see that they had become models of true faith to everyone in the regions of Macedonia and Achaia. Stories of their lives and their outstanding character were spreading throughout the land. People could see the difference in their lives because of their faith. Other people heard about them and, and aspired to be like the Thessalonian believers. 
In verse 9, we discover the stories of amazing transformation. How these baby believers had turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. It was an about face. People could see that. And the, the culture around them, who was all about the idols and the false gods that they were worshiping, they saw this as a rebellion. But they saw a difference in these believers. The evidence of their faith was clear to everybody around them. People testified to the difference that they could see in them. The people were telling the stories about the differences in the Thessalonians. And the Apostle Paul reveals how the triumvirate of faith, love, and hope brought about such change. So we look at faith. He says, your work produced by faith. True faith makes a difference in the way we live. True faith makes a difference in the way we live. But please understand, the way that we live isn't what earns us our standing with God. There is nothing that we could do to somehow make God want to love us. God already loved us and demonstrated His love by sending His Son for us. God loved us even before we loved Him. He first loved us. We can try all we want, but we can never earn our salvation. We can never earn our acceptance with God. After all, Romans chapter 3, verse 20 says, No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, as Isaiah 64, 6 tells us, all of our efforts or works are like filthy rags. We try, but we come short. We try, but we come short. We cannot overcome our sin in our own strength. We cannot earn acceptance by God. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians in the city of Ephesus telling them and us, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It is the, this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's grace through faith. God's grace. So then it's not our own efforts or works, not even the compilation of all of our good deeds over the years that bring us into relationship with God. No, it is God himself who reached first to us, even while we were still in rebellion against him. Romans 5 verse 8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And verse 10 of that same chapter reminds us that we were enemies of God before we placed our faith in Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus gave his life to pay the price for our sins and to bring us into the family of God through faith. Jesus did the full work for our salvation, and there's absolutely nothing that we can add to it to earn us any greater favor with God. So if our works don't grant us acceptance with God, where do they fit in? Why are they important? From Paul's phrase here, we see that true faith, true faith produces or grows good works, works of faith. True faith makes a difference in how we live. Earlier I read Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, for by grace you are saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10 says... Uh, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
So God desires that we do good things. Indeed, he purposed for us to do good things. That is his will for you to do good works. His will for us to do good works, to bless others. That is God's desire for us, but it's him working in us to do those works. Faith produces those. God has a purpose for you, a plan for your life that will develop you into the woman or man that God desires you to be. True faith produces behavior and actions in keeping with the heart of God. Paul testifies that the Thessalonian believers were living out their faith through their good works. True faith makes a difference in how we live. And then he talks about the second characteristic is love. From verses 2 and 3, we hear Paul thanking God for them, remembering their labor, which was prompted by love. Paul was very intentional in the selection of his words. When he said labor, he wasn't just using a synonym for work. You know, sometimes when you're learning in your writing class, you're not to use the same word again, you use a synonym. Well, that's not what he's doing. He's intentional here. Labor means something different than just work. This is laborious work. This is harder work. This is more difficult work. Uh, The works described by Paul as labor are actions that don't just come naturally to us. Uh, It would be easier to do the regular positive things to bless others and not do the harder things. It would be easier, then we could relax. But their love for God, these Thessalonians' love for God, pressed them forward. They didn't sit back. Rather, they dove into the deep end for each other. Do you like going into the deep end of the pool? Uh, That's commitment. You're getting in there, and they're going in the deep end. Their love motivated them to do the hard things, things that non-believers would never think about doing. And they labored even when they didn't feel like it. That's a committed love, like God's love. When we are led by God's agape love, we choose to love And to show that love to others, even when we don't feel like it. There are times when we get pretty tired and maybe even irritable. And we don't want to have to do such and such. But God's love presses us forward. I will do this because I love you. And we move forward. Other people witnessed the depths of love demonstrated by these new believers, and they were amazed, and so they told others around them wonderful stories about the love and example of the Thessalonian believers. How does this type of sacrificial love manifest itself in your life? How do you show this sacrificial love for others in the name of Jesus? Paul also remembered their endurance, which was inspired by their hope in Jesus. This kind of hope encourages us to keep moving forward, to continue on in the battle. Now, you've seen examples of this in the battles for physical life. When people are told they're going to go through some very difficult situations or they have very serious surgeries, sometimes uh, it a lot depends, their recovery depends on their own attitudes. Do, are they willing to go through this? Do they believe that they will be able to get through or are they ready to give up? Uh, I've 
in my visits with different people, I've found people all over the spectrum in that. But those who uh, express hope that they can overcome have a better recovery rate than those who give up easily. Hope makes a difference. We also observe this in the lives of employees who are asked to do something new, something different, something difficult. Some pessimistically think, I can't do that, and don't even try. Of course, that's not going to work out very well. Uh, But those who believe that they can learn and adjust, even though it's a struggle, I'm going to push forward on this and do it, they have a much higher rate of success. They have hope that they can go through and endure. Sometimes we can define something by showing what it is not. We're talking about opposites. The opposite of hope is despair. People without hope or with little hope are prone to give up. They rarely endure. Can you imagine the horrible sense of despair among the ordinary Palestinians living in Gaza right now? The ones who aren't Hamas. They're not the leaders. They're not Hamas. They're not wanting the fight to go on. But they're there and they're stuck. And they've been under siege so that they have no water, food, or electricity coming in. Uh, seems horrible uh, to them and to us, too. There's this bombardment that goes at different times. They never know what's going to happen. And they've been waiting for aid to be able to come in from outside. And as of yesterday, uh, 20 trucks have been allowed in. 20 trucks among 2 million people. Uh, it's not very much, but it's a beginning Uh, And we desire for more to get in to help these ordinary people. But what would their lives be like? What hope do they have? They cry out for help. Is anyone listening? What can happen for them? Uh, Imagine their despair. Let's think about this a little more deeply. What is hope? Dictionary.com says that Hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had and that events will turn out for the best. We see how that's not applying so much to the Palestinian people right now. Uh, But hope says that what is wanted can be had. The events will turn out for the best. Hope means to look forward with desire or reasonable confidence. I think of hope as an anticipation that something will or will not happen. Of course, we use the word hope in different ways, expressing different thoughts or levels of hope. When the weather report calls for 80% chance of rain, you probably carry an umbrella with you, but you think, yeah, they've gotten it right sometimes and others, and we can say, I hope it doesn't rain. Now, we don't have any certainty that it won't rain, but we have hope. Now, that's a different kind of hope. That's sort of a wishy-washy hope. Uh, in sign language, this would be the sign for that. Which a uh, hope that's, yeah, maybe, maybe not. Uh, there's a stronger sign for hope that's a different hope. When a promotion in our company or workplace is possible. I remember many years ago when I was working at the American Bible Society, which was in New York City at the time, uh, and there was a chance that I was going to get a promotion And I was pretty excited about that and and thought about that as a possibility. And I hoped I would get it. I didn't. but And that was a better thing really for me in the long run. But I hoped that I would. Uh, I had some idea because of my work effort and ethic that maybe I would get it. So I had a stronger hope than maybe the weather report. 
but still I wasn't sure. Uh, the hope of First Thessalonians, though, is different. It isn't some against all odds kinds of hope. It isn't something that is uncertain. It isn't a dream or even something that is just longed for. Rather, the hope, biblical hope, brings confidence and certainty. For biblical hope finds its foundation, its basis, in the ever-faithful God and His promises in His Word. God is always faithful. He is true to His Word. And in other ways, we can say you can take it to the bank if God has said it. Notice that the verse describes this hope as our hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Their hope and our hope was in something or someone who was certain, who was sure. The apostles were eyewitnesses who had proclaimed what they had seen, what they had heard, even how they had touched Jesus. They knew the truth. The people in Thessalonica who had placed their faith in Jesus had been able to see the incredible difference in their own hearts and lives. They knew that they had new life. They knew about the hope in Jesus and they had confidence in him and his promise to come again. These believers, even though they often faced persecution, rejection and ridicule, they continued forward in faith, holding on to the promises of God through the resurrection of Jesus and the promise of his return. Jesus, precious Jesus, was their unfailing hope. Or as our song said earlier, he is our living hope. This same Jesus is still our confident hope today. When all seems to be falling apart around us, there is Jesus, our eternal hope. When we come under attack for our faith, when it seems as if we are left all alone to fend for ourselves, Still, there is Jesus. Jesus is our everlasting hope. In recent years, there's been a popular song. Dolly Parton sings with another guy. I can't remember his name. What? Zach Williams. And they sing and say, there was Jesus. And all of life's troubles and stuff, there was Jesus. There was Jesus. Jesus is our sure and certain hope. When we come under attack for our faith, when it seems as if we are left alone to defend for ourselves, still there is Jesus. Jesus is our everlasting hope. When people tell you it's okay to cheat or steal, everybody's doing it. It's expected. <clears throat> You'd be crazy not to take whatever you can get. We say no and stand firm and follow Jesus because he is the resurrected one, soon coming Jesus. He is our guarantee of the truth of eternal life. He is our sure and blessed hope. This makes a difference in how we live. Hear the words of the Apostle Paul to Titus. He says, The grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope. What is that blessed hope? The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. That hope in Jesus affects how we live, not only to keep going, but to say we want to live for him 
and bring honor and glory to him. Jesus is our hope. He is our sure and certain hope. And his promised return gives us a confident and blessed hope that helps us to endure, to press on, to live in victory. There's an old chorus, which some of you who are old like me know. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrow will erase. So bravely run the race till we see Christ. I'm going to invite us to bow together in prayer. We'll ask the worship team to come forward uh, and let's seek the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the hope that you give us. Not a wishy-washy hope, but a sure and certain hope that is as certain as you are because you are ever faithful. Your promises are true and real altogether. You say that Jesus is coming again and we believe. We believe. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would come quickly. But until that time, we want to give ourselves to live for you. So Lord, glorify yourself in us. Give us uh, works of faith uh, and a labor of love and a steadfastness of hope and endurance. We trust in you through the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Uh, if we could have the final slide up uh, for the message. Without hope, we live in despair and are easily overcome. But with Jesus, our blessed hope, we are more than conquerors through him. Jesus is our everlasting hope. The third verse that we used for the message today again says, we continually remember before God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. How do we apply that as we go forward? So by God's grace and his power, let us show faith through active works of service. Let's be active in doing good for one another and for others outside the household of faith that they can see our faith through our works and also we know through our love. Let us intentionally live out the love of Jesus Willing, willingly giving ourselves to bless others in those sacrificial ways. When no one else will, let us be the ones for the glory of God by his love. And let us reflect hope through our living testimonies of enduring faith in the good times and in the difficult times because Jesus is our hope. Let us apply these things and know that even though the service is over, the ministry now begins. Let us go in hope.